Welcome to Ben Davis Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Davis, and I'm excited to have a conversation with you about one of my favorite things in the world, movies. Joining me this week is my good buddy who I've been really trying for a long time now to get on this show. My friend Cameron Gerganus, a.k.a. Gerg, Gergalicious. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm on Ben Davis Movie Podcast, you know. It's a great day. I'm in the Ben Davis studio. <laughs> it's not much of a studio. More of an office with some collectibles in it. It's, it's, just, it's a studio if you believe it's a studio. You know? It's like Hogwarts. you got to believe it's there. Oh, wait, that's not how that works. <laughs> you know, if you, if you believe it, you can will it into existence, you know? Yeah, nah. <laughs> Uh, I am doing well, is what I'll say, because um, my wife bullies me. <laughs> I apparently say uh, I'm doing well too much on the intro, and I need to change it up. You know what they say, happy wife, happy life. Exactly, exactly. And that, that So is... if it makes her happy to bully you on your greetings <laughs> and your dialogue and your podcast, then you, know, you just got to let her have that one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, since this is your first time on the show, and I ask this to all new guests, what is your favorite movie and why? Oh my gosh. that You're just going to put me on the spot like that. Just like that, man. It, I'm just going to dox myself on all these people. Um, so, it's not a classic movie or anything, but I feel like it's a classic in a lot of people's hearts, especially with our generation and some people before that. But I'm going to have to say... My favorite movie of all time is Pineapple Express. What? It's I mean, I know my... you, so that makes sense to me. But, like, I want you to explain that. <laughs> well, comedy is my favorite genre. Yes. It is one of the funniest comedy movies of all time, in my opinion. It's made by one of my favorite duos, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. You know, they gave us super bad. And mm-hmm. I was going to say super bad, but there's just something... In particular, that sets that movie, you know, a bar above Superbad for me. So I'm going to say <laughs> Pineapple Express. All right, all right, all right. Not a bad choice. I remember that came out in the summer of 2008, and that was kind of a packed toward the end of summer, like, with movies that were great comedies. You had Step Brothers, which came out at the end of July, I believe, which is in my top three favorite comedies. Right. It's that 20, 21 Jump Street and Dumb and Dumber for me. I just love those movies. also love 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up. But uh, Do you care if I share one of my favorite parts from Pineapple Express? Not at all, man. Good for it. So one that I quote with my friends daily a lot is when Saul and Seth Rogen's character, I forget his name, I'm blanking, I know, my favorite movie and I'm blanking on it. It's when they go over to Red's and they're pretty much interrogating him. And they're like, so which is it? Is it uh uh-uh or uh uh-huh? He says, it's uh uh-uh. It's uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. I don't know. It's so simple. But (laughs) the way Danny McBride says that, it's just like, it's uh uh-uh. Well, it's a conversation. It sounds like something like a conversation that you and I would have. Right. (laughs) We're like trying to pump fake. Yeah. Trying to like, you know. Not be truthful. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I lie to Ben all the time. I'm just, you know, we prank each other. A we lot. lie when we prank each other. When we're trying to fool each other, we'll say anything to get them to believe the things that we want them to believe. Exactly. And that is a long-held tradition in our friendship is pranking each other and seeing how, how many buttons we can push and testing each other's limits. I believe that should be like how every friendship is, really. 
For sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, though, like back in the summer of 2008, that movie came out where there was like a series of like three great comedies. You had Pineapple Express. That's right. Um, like I previously mentioned, Step Brothers. And you also had uh, Tropic Thunder. Ooh. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a good trio of comedies right there in the, the summer of two thousand eight. Definitely. Um but that that is that is a that is very characteristic of you to choose that movie. So it's not very far fetched for me to believe that that's your favorite movie, but I would even go I would as be far surprised. To say I'm as surprised you said that one. Right on brand for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um I have one more question for you before we move on. See, si, senor. Since it's our it's our theme for this month with Marvel films, what is your favorite Marvel movie and why? Oof! Put me put me on the spot again. My favorite Marvel movie. God, there's so many good ones, and you know it's one of those questions where I feel like I'm doing one movie dirty if I don't pick that one. So you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say. My favorite Marvel movie of all time, no surprise, is Endgame. Endgame, 100%. Nice. It's the culmination of so many movies. Mm-hmm. It's got a piece of every movie in it. Mm-hmm. And it also closes up some open-ended questions that we've had throughout the entire series of movies. Yeah, it, it is. I In my initial little blurb I wrote on Instagram for it, and I still stand by it. While my opinion has gone down on it just a bit, and I mean, that was a very high opinion. I still have a very, very high opinion of this movie. It's like, I go back and forth which one I like better. This or Guardians of the Galaxy, like I said last week on the pod, for like top five favorite comic book movies. This is there. This is in there. Mm-hmm. I still stand by this statement. It's not as good as Lord of the Rings Return of the King for me, but it it's as fulfilling and as epic and as big as Endgame, the achievement that it that it that it was, it's a big deal. And to have that large of a cast, and to have you know, to build up to that many movies, and then make it as successful and as well liked as that, it's very rare that you see that with a movie that I love, Rise of Skywalker. You know, that was the culmination of the Skywalker saga. Not everybody loved it, and that's fine. You know, movies are subjective. Uh, Game of Thrones, the eight seasons. Not everyone loved that last season, so it's very hard, especially when you have, you know, built up these stories and these characters so much to make a satisfying conclusion to a story. And for uh, the MCU to do that with Endgame, that's a staggering achievement. So that that is a good answer. I will say, they did a really, really good job of keeping most of its big moments in the movie under wraps because you know everyone was speculating Mm -hmm. and then they even kept it under wraps with the marketing they didn't show too much with like the trailers or anything no the trailers were very vague and then you know everybody had their ideas of how it was going to go down but me like from the moment the movie started rolling and you see Thor chop off Thanos' head I'm just like so what happens now Mm -hmm. I mean how is this he, he destroyed the stones. How's it going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to go back in time, alternate dimension, and all that stuff? But it ultimately was all done very well, I would say. Yeah. Throughout uh, the remainder of the film. I, you know, in case there are people who haven't seen Endgame yet, 
I don't know what you're doing with your lives, but you need to put down the broom it's like or the, the books and watch Endgame. But <laughs> just to not spoil anything for him, I'm going to like stop there with this. Well, it's the highest grossing movie of all time. So I, I would imagine <laughs> most people have seen it. Especially if you're listening so. to this, this episode. I would um, hope so. Yeah, it is it is a it's a great movie, and in fact, we'll be visiting it later this month, so I won't go too much into how I feel about everything in the movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, get your crap together. Exactly. Get to watching. But uh, moving on to the main topic of this week's show, we're going we're gonna to be talking about Captain America, The Winter Soldier, a film directed by Joe and Anthony Russo and starring Chris Evans, Samuel Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Redford, Sebastian Stan, and Anthony Mackie. If you aren't familiar with Captain America, The Winter Soldier, the plot synopsis reads like such, according to Google... After uh, the cataclysmic events in New York with his fellow Avengers, Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, lives in the nation's capital as he tries to adjust to modern times. An attack on S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, colleague throws Rogers into a web of uh, intrigue that places the whole world at risk, joining forces with the Black Widow and a new ally, the Falcon. Rogers struggles to expose an uh, ever-winding conspiracy, but he and his team soon come up against an unexpected enemy. Um, this is the second entry in the Captain America trilogy. The third entry in the Phase 2 of Marvel films, Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World coming up before it. And the ninth entry in the Infinity Saga of the MCU. Um, to me, this is the first movie that entered the MCU where I wasn't just like, it, it's really awesome but it's a superhero movie this was more like a okay this is a superhero flick for sure it has all the dna of a superhero movie but it had a lot to offer in terms of its its themes of freedom versus safety and how much are you willing to give up to have the other and it also felt very grounded almost like a i I hate it when people use this term to to describe the movie but it's true uh political spy thriller more so than than a superhero movie, which I still find very refreshing to the genre. I love it when the superhero genre digs kind of deeper into other subgenres. It's not just a superhero film, um, and I believe that's what keeps them fresh. Uh, I believe you know that it's that grounded appro- approach that has made this film age incredibly well, and it's become one of the most beloved superhero films of, over the past six years since its release. So, Cam, when was the first time you saw Winter Soldier, and how does it compare to how you feel about it now? Well, if I'm not mistaken, the movie came out on April 4th, 2014, correct? Yes, sir. And I was with a special gentleman viewing that film, and I believe I saw it twice in the same weekend. Or at least least in the same opening week. Yes. Together. And that person was Ben Davis. Ever heard of him? And Sounds like a lovely chap. <laughs> you just kind of get lost in his eyes, you know. <laughs> the baby blues—they—they they will do that to you. His eyes are like two glistening pools of Croatian water, <laughs> just to paint a picture. <laughs> but my first time seeing it. I was very, very hyped. Obviously, we're all very invested in the MCU at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, um, did Thor come out before this? Thor: The Dark World did come out before okay. this. It came out in November. Thor: The Dark World. We came saw that out. in theaters as well together. We did. Yeah, after my bodybuilding show, my first one. 
Let me just paint the picture for you. Me and Ben, we have seen a lot of movies together. He is my movie buddy. You know, when we're living in the same states. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we go see movies all the time. Of course, we were really hyped for this one. Thor The Dark World was all right. It was all right. So we're sitting here waiting. You know, what did we expect from Captain America? I knew Falcon was going to be in it from the trailers. Falcon was who I was really there to see. You know, we've already seen what Cap can do. Of course, he's a beast. Um, but, you know, is Falcon going to be a decent enough addition to this team? That was my main thing going in that movie. And I really feel like it paid off. I love Anthony Mackie. He's great. And then when I heard he was going to be Falcon, I was just like, mm, that's such good casting. Like, yeah. Mm, he couldn't have gotten <laughs> anybody else better. And then when I see the trailer and I see his actual suit and his wings that they didn't decide to go with the white and red. They went with more of a military look, mm-hmm. like it's more military stylized look. I was like, thank you. Yes, I like it. I like the goggles. I like the pack. I like his backstory. And I like that they were able to write the details of his backstory like through it, but not have to dedicate entire scenes to telling it, you know? Yeah. It they he pretty much gave Black Widow and Cap a briefing on his history. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an earlier scene before that when he's talking to Cap one on one and he tells him about his wingman Riley. Mm-hmm. At the uh center where he helps out. If I'm not mistaken yeah. His wingman being named Riley is like a callback to a character in the Falcon comics from back in the day, but we're not going to go into that because I don't know all the details and I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know any of the details. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to get into that. But they did really good with Falcon. He, he Not only was he cool, his the flying and everything looked realistic. And, you know, like you you know, had mentioned last night, they this is like one of the only Marvel movies one of the only, not the only, where they used minimal special effects. And it really pays off. Like, you can really tell. It is like, you know, it really is set apart from the rest of the movies in the MCU. And it's one of those movies where people are like, you, you see it online, you hear people talking about it, word of mouth. They're like, my favorite MCU movie is Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah, you see that a lot. Of them. You see that you know, a lot. It's, it's one of the most... It's one of the only Marvel movies that I can get into. That's that's. I was doing an impression of like my least favorite subgenre of the MCU fandom, <laughs> but you know it's one of the only ones I can get into. But you know they're right. I mean, it is a very grounded film. It's it's not too unrealistic, except no. for the superheroes and all that. stuff. I mean, it treats it very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a. a, a similar feeling to you like like you were just talking about the first time i saw this in a theater was with you uh it was after a long day of work uh and i remember getting you getting us tickets for like the 8 p.m so so i had to like rush home after work and work work out so we got a deadline to meet boy yeah i had to go straight from the gym to the movie which (laughs) is something we would do like every week before we moved to to before i moved to missouri um, I remember being excited for the movie, but you know, not being super excited. Iron Man three was a little hit and miss for me at the time, but it's weird because I love it now. Going back, that's like one of my favorites. Um, I would have to say, me and Ben, aside from the man who saw Infinity War like over forty times, we might be the MCU's most lucrative fans. <laughs> and- 
you know, we're there all the time. I, I think I saw all. I, th- I think I've seen all the MCU movies in theaters except for Iron Man Two. I did not see Iron Man Two in theaters. Um, but yeah, I remember Iron Man Three being a little hit and miss for me at the time, but now it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, Thor: The Dark World, you know, similar to you, just okay for me. Love the Loki and Thor stuff, but the movie just kind of the humor was a little too much. Um. Besides all of the superhuman stuff and the MCU stuff, I definitely can see where people call it like a political spy thriller. Yeah, it is. It it is, man. It it it's it is. I I hate that term yeah. because it's so overused, mm-hmm. but it's so true for to to how to describe this movie. Um, I will say though, after uh, the Dark World, Avengers was starting. You know, and you know, Avengers came out i loved it the first time i saw it i've mentioned it a couple times on here where i loved it the first time i watched it second time i was like eh, it's pretty good still third time i'm like oh it's not that good it's not as good and I, i'm kind of still in that camp of it's it's okay um so the 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 formula was starting to get stale on me um after after you know a little bit and it was starting to show some kinks in the armor but this film was also directed by the Russo brothers, who at the time were mostly known for you know TV shows like Arrested Development and Community. And while I really enjoy those shows, they don't exactly lend themselves to being you know heavy on the action. So I was a little concerned with what that would what they would bring to the table. They also did You, Me, and Dupree. You remember that movie? Yeah, <laughs> I remember You, Me, and Dupree. And I remember Fix You is in that movie by Coldplay. <laughs> it is. I was not. You, me, and Dupree bored me. Yeah. Like it straight up bored me. I remember I like Owen Wilson and I like. Wow. I like the other guy. Uh, wow. <laughs> Ka-chow. Um, <laughs> I love the, the the memes going around. I don't, I don't know if they it's still a thing, but when they were going around, it was pretty great. Oh, it's still a thing. He's still alive and well. And, and Matt Dillon, that's the name of the guy. So you mean Dupree has almost and Matt Dillon, and was it Jennifer Aniston? Uh, or no? no, I believe it might have been Kate Hudson. Okay, either way, rented that movie. Went home because, like, when I rent movies, I have to rent a movie that I really want to see, and also rent one that my dad, and my sister might want to see. So I rented that for them, and I like Owen Wilson, so I'm like, okay, we'll give it a go. Terrible, terrible movie. It's like I'm not gonna play him like that. It just bored me. Like I was watching it, and it was so slow to get to the nitty gritty of like I guess like Owen Wilson really overstaying his welcome, and then like hijinks ensue and all that. And I just remember 30 minutes into the movie, I'm already on my Game Boy Advance SP playing <laughs> Super Mario World for like the umpteenth time. And I'm just like, when is this movie going to end? Yeah, I really wasn't a huge fan of that movie, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and getting back on the, the subject of this movie, though, mm-hmm. uh, not only did it meet my expectations, but, you know, Captain America... The Winter Soldier surpassed them in every way possible. Um, what this brought to the table, uh, what they brought to the table with this film, The Russos, was something that the MCU hadn't really done before. Uh, like a, we've talked about, you know, this film felt like a spy thriller in the vein of something like Jason Bourne under the guise of a superhero film. It was brilliantly done. I mean, 
the action is also terrific bringing this you know more down and dirty fight style that had you know more physical and using that word again grounded feel to it it um, had very good hand-to-hand combat scenes yeah throughout the movie like yeah, terrific very very well choreographed fight scenes probably some of my favorite fight scenes in all yeah. we've seen of the MCU. Absolutely. This one and the Winter... Or not the Winter Soldier. This is the one we're talking about. Uh, Civil War. Right. Um, have some of the, the best fight scenes. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the airport scene. I'll get into that next week. I won't get into that now. The airport scene. Oh, are you watching Civil War next week? Yes. Yes. We're going to do that next week. But more on that later. Um, I also loved, you know, again, the themes of this. For, you know, safety versus freedom that it brings up and asking how much we are willing to give up so that we can have our safety and how we can be manipulated uh, by fear into thinking we're doing good, but in fact we aren't. Um, fear is a powerful thing. Um, but the main thing I love about this movie is the stuff with Cap and Bucky. Uh, it's really the heart of the film. It's that message of never giving up on your friends and staying with them, and you know, until the end of the line, like Cap says, and standing up for what is right, no matter the odds. It's it's what kept me coming back to this movie time and time again, and and and, and just really loving it. I still love this movie. Uh, this movie really proved to me that also you can't judge a book by its cover in regards to hiring the Russos. So you really should just wait until a movie comes out before complaining about a hire. You know, that that is something... I only got in a tissy about this. Uh, I was a little younger when the Heath Ledger Joker stuff happened. But I do remember being excited about it because it was Heath Ledger. You know, I was younger, so I was a fan of The Patriot. I was a fan of... Uh, Ten uh, Things I Hate About You. Yeah, and A Knight's Tale. Those were some of my most rewatched movies growing up. So... Getting him to see, getting to see him play the Joker, I was really excited about. I didn't really think, you know, about it, any of the negative things about that at the time. Plus, he was like an already an Oscar-nominated actor, so I didn't really understand why people were up in arms. But this, I remember being the first one where I was like, I don't know how I feel about the Russo brothers doing a Captain America movie. They did You, Me, and Dupree, and then you go into this movie, and it's like, oh wow, these guys are great. They're mm-hmm. great. And they proved to not just be one-hit wonders, you know? Like, they did this. They did Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Those are, like, the upper echelon. And throw Black Panther in there, too. Those films are, like, the upper echelon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now, they didn't direct Black Panther. That was Ryan Coogler, who is an amazing director by himself. Fruitfelt Station, Creed, great movies. Um... So those are really the upper echelon when you hear people talk about the MCU. So they proved not to just be one-hit wonders. And kind of learning that lesson of you can like think a casting or a decision is cool or not, but you can't don't make a final judgment until you see it. This movie, correct me if I'm wrong, Ben loves Marvel movies, but he is also very critical of them. It's almost like that whole thing where, you know, you're your biggest critic. You know, Ben likes Marvel movies a lot, but he's also very critical of them because he wants them to continuously push the envelope. And this may not be true, but I feel like after Thor The Dark World, you kind of began to see this pattern with Marvel movies in terms of comedy and stuff like that. And I think this movie was a very refreshing cultural reset, so to speak, with MCU. And you were like, okay. It was. Well, it was the... I was talking about it last week. Uh, 
the reception of all the Marvel films is has been very, you know, it was very lukewarm to good, mm-hmm. except for, for Avengers. So everyone loved Iron Man one when that came out. Uh, not everybody was keen on the Incredible Hulk. It was, got a good response, but it didn't make as much money at the box office. It wasn't as beloved as Iron Man. Iron Man two was, you know, a lot of most people thought was a step down from Iron Man one. Uh, Thor and Cap kind of had a similar response, where most people liked it, but they weren't, you know, saying it was, gr- you know, great or the, one of the best superhero films ever made. At least I don't this believe is so. <laughs> yeah. Um, it wasn't really till Avengers where everyone just really got on board because that movie had such a simple formula and you got to see all these big characters come together and it was a risk, you know, that had never really been done and it was successful. Um, but the, the, the Marvel formula was starting to kind of show its hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Man 3 felt a little bit disconnected from all of that. Definitely. I think in hindsight it does. And it throws a lot of those expectations you have out the window. Wasn't it because they wanted to start getting like different directors for movies instead of having the same directors for like the same trilogies and stuff like that? And then they tried to start, or they tried to start with experimenting with directors that added different feels to movies. Yeah, it gives them a little bit of a different feel. And I think it was really the one-two punch of uh, Winter Soldier and Guards of the Galaxy that put. Uh, in 2014 that really put the MCU leaps and bounds ahead of all of the competition mm-hmm. really because those movies aren't just good they're great Winter Soldier is great um, Guardians of the Galaxy that is, is again super great top five favorite comic book movie that's a great movie I love that movie um, speaking of which if you haven't heard that episode go back and listen to it but yeah I think it was the one two punch of, of this and that that really put it Put it ahead of ahead of its competition and kind of like you said, reset the the formula for the MCU um, going forward. And it has more of the. I think you can separate. It's like almost two eras in the Infinity uh, Saga. You have the uh, Joss Whedon uh, era of the Infinity Saga. Then you have the Russo brothers era of the Infinity Saga. And I think I I like the Russo era a lot more guardians and winter soldier it was like you know winter soldier we're getting a refresh of a character that we already know and love and in a section of the marvel cinematic universe that we already know and love and guardians of the galaxy it was introducing us to a whole new corner and it's so detached but it was like such a refreshing area of it. Like, yeah. You know, it really did. You really felt after watching Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy that it was really developing and opening up. And, it was and, really blooming. And I think the MCU really needed that reset because, again, if you look at the reception, Iron Man 3, when it initially came out, I think it held, I think it was like number five highest grossing movie of all time. Therefore, a little bit is no longer there. But it was for a little bit. And the response to it, though, was this is pretty good. It was just okay. A lot of the horrorcore fans were upset about Mm -hmm. the uh, Mandarin twist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Thor the Dark World, I think, is still their lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes, which is it's still like 67, 65, 66, somewhere in there in the Rotten Tomato score. So that's still a, a, a like liked movie. So it's not like it's disliked, but for the MCU standards, it's not as liked. So they were kind of on a slope. 
and then this kind of brought them forward. And speaking of Rotten Tomato score, this movie currently is sitting at a 90% with a consensus being suspenseful and political, uh, politically astute. Captain America the Winter Soldier is a superior entry in the Avengers canon and is sure to thrill Marvel diehards. Uh, do you think this score holds up? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I would probably have it somewhere in the 90s. For sure, if mm-hmm. I were giving it my own score, like I just, I think it's a very well-made movie. There's not a lot of issues with this movie. There's two, like two things that I have written down here that we'll get to later, and there's a couple of does this make sense stuff going on, but other than that, this is a really well-made movie, mm-hmm. really well-crafted. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That consensus definitely. It was a. It didn't really feel like filler at all. It was its own thing, with plenty of surprises. Yeah, it lays it lays the the groundwork for the splitting up of the Avengers for the Soviet uh, uh, Soviet Accords. What are they called? The uh, Sokovian Sokovian Accords. Accords. Yes. This Winter Soldier actually. Once you were done watching Winter Soldier, it actually created a new turning point for the whole MCU. It really you know, did. Shield is Dunzo. Mm-hmm. Like caps, like Shield Hydra is all gotta go. And honestly, when you think about it, I feel like this is a perfect sequel or a perfect follow up to Captain America because yeah. of the scene where you see him at the New Jersey base. That's originally where he was stationed when he became Captain America. Well, Captain America is a very nostalgic film, too. Right. Like, it's very much, you know, Americana. It feels almost like The Rocketeer. You know, I remember me and Chris actually talked about that back in July. That's mm-hmm. another movie you and I saw together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me, you, and Chris. So, um... Uh, the first Captain America? Yeah, we saw that together, too. Mm-hmm. But, um... And also, um... Zolov being in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Zolov, um, he, uh, like his appearance in that, I know you feel a certain way about that scene, but (laughs) that scene was so creepy and eerie. The fact that he uploaded his consciousness into like 2000 different hard drives to create an artificial intelligence for himself. Like that was one of the, I love stuff that's weird and eerie i know sometimes my face doesn't reflect that i love it but (laughs) i love it like watching like movies like Coraline and paranorman and nightmare before christmas and stuff like that you got those vibes from i love that from from, yeah from that scene because he was once a man and he uploaded his brain into the machine and they're like oh it's a recording of some kind it's like i am not a recording (laughs) like i have simply uploaded my mind into 2,000 hard drives you'll see before you. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is some mad time scientist mess right here. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but I, it was so cool. Yeah. Like, this movie touched on a bunch of, like, stuff that I've always played with around in my mind. Like, what if it is real? And if it is real, what you know, what if it is real and we don't know about it? Like, what if this type of science is actually out there? No. no. Like, Project Insight and stuff like that? Like, no. Well, at the time, <laughs> at the time, like, they're, 
it's it's hitting on a lot of the like political conversations that a lot of people have in regards to uh, you know safety and spying on you know innocent people to predict patterns and futures and is that okay to do is that not okay to do absolutely is that mm, i'm just kidding i don't know <laughs> i believe in individual freedom not being spied on but uh yeah, that's. I really like the things that this movie tackles. So yeah, the, to me, the the score holds up completely. Um, in terms of uh, yeah, the score, I think it holds up perfectly. But let's move on to some fun facts here. Robert Redford wanted to do this film because his grandchildren are fans of Marvel films, and he wanted them to see him in one. Um, this is one of his last films. Technically, his last film is Endgame. When he appears in that. Let me look up something about Robert Redford. What? That he's, uh... That is his last movie? No. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just looking up other movies he's been in. Because I don't know a lot about Robert Redford. And What? I'm sorry. I'm not a movie aficionado like you are. Uh, I just need to know other movies that he's been in to get a sense of who Robert Redford is. Robert Redford is... Okay. Yeah. He one of his Sundance Kid. Yes. The classic movie mm-hmm. Out of Africa. Mm-hmm. He, Spy Game is a movie that not many people have heard of that he did with Brad Pitt in the early two thousands that I'm a huge fan of. I think it came out in two thousand one. His most recent one besides well his one that he did after Captain America. And, yeah, I believe the Old he, Man and the Gun. Yes. I believe he won an Oscar. Old Man and the Gun was actually very good too. I believe he won an Oscar, not for acting. I think he might have won it for directing or best picture. Um, he kind of looks like Owen Wilson right there with a with a right nose, like with a <laughs> nose that's not like. Hey, that's part of uh, his charm, though. I, I know. I love Owen Wilson. Yeah. I know. I, I know. I love him. I'm not hating on him. Yeah, but uh, he was in the original Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Robert Redford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he is he is in the original Great Gatsby, not as good as uh, I think the new one is. I like actually really like the new one, but yeah, he won Best Director for Ordinary People in 1981. Oh, mm-hmm. I know about that movie. So he won. I've heard about that movie. So he won an Oscar. Yeah, I knew he had won one. I, I didn't think it was for acting though. I knew it, well. I knew it wasn't for, for for acting. I knew it was for something different. But it's really cool to have an actor like him. Uh, that brings a lot of gravitas to the the MCU. Um, an actor like that attaching themselves to, to, to something like this, especially when the superhero genre at the time was still kind of looked down upon. Now it's not right. really. Where you have two back to back years where you have, you know, Black Panther nominated for Best Picture, then the next year Joker nominated for eleven Oscars and uh, nominated for Best Picture. I really do feel like nowadays your casting means everything because I'll use this as an example. Another another Marvel film. When people found out that certain actors were going to be in movies like this, like, well, okay, no. I'll use Winter Soldier as an example. When Robert Redford was announced in the casting of this, mm-hmm. I remember hearing about that and then seeing people of different age demographics talking about this movie and then when we go in the theater there's a lot of older older people going to see Marvel movies and that's not something that I personally had seen a lot of you know it's kind of fitting because they are the the, the real OG Marvel fans before there was even movies they were reading the comic books and that was like movies in their head yeah and then 
you see a lot of older people coming out. And then when Civil War came out, Black Panther's in that. You see a lot more people come to see that, fans of Black Panther. And it's just... I feel like their casting choices are helping diversify diversify the fans of these movies a lot, which I really yeah. love. Well, it helps grow the if if you have more of a diverse cast and you have more diverse content, you're going to have more your your product is going to be more creative, is going to be more fresh, and it's going to appeal to more people, which is something that you you have to do, um, and it's. It's nice to see that. Different stories that I haven't, you know, I'm not familiar with a lot of the, the newer stuff that they're coming out with, like Eternals. I'm not familiar with them, but I'm excited to see what that's going to be like. I've done my reading and I'm excited. Nice. Moving on to fun fact, another fun fact here. Unlike the uh, other Marvel films in the, in, in the MCU, this movie minimized the use of visual effects as much as possible. Anthony Mackie elaborated on this, saying the, the Russos... What they did that was so great was they wanted to stay in with the live action, which is a dying art form. If they could build it, they built built, build it. Uh, if we could do it, we did it. They wanted to do a little as little as CGI as possible. That is why this movie looks so great, and it's true. And it, it helps to you know to the effect of the the grounded feel. You know, not going as mid. I'm not one of those people that are like too much CGI in this movie. I, I'm not one of those people, um, but it helps with the feel of the movie in terms of it feeling a little bit more grounded and a little bit more real, despite its genre still being a superhero film. I will say, watching movies throughout the years and talking with people about them and seeing about them has taught me to look out for a lot more things. At first, I was like, "Oh, these people are complaining about CGI. Just, just that's just one more thing to uh, for me to see. That's just gonna lower the bar for a movie." But no, it's not. It's like obvious stuff that you see in movies that you <laughs> used to never bother me before. But now that I notice it, it's like you can't unsee it. What they're talking about, like I'm trying to think, what's a good example of some bad CGI in a movie? Well, there's plenty of. Plenty I mean, there's of plenty, but yeah, I'm the, trying to think of a good the one. Rock and the Mummy Returns. Ah, oh, that's a perfect example. Yeah. It's talked about on social media and everything all the time. And back then, I was just enjoying the ride, and not really worried about it. But now, when you go back and you see it on higher resolution TVs, you can definitely tell which movies actually had CGI people who knew what they were doing in terms of well, how also, is this going to hold up later. Also, a lot of that is how how much of it. You know, at the time, does it look good at the time, and then it just ages out, and that does happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times where CGI doesn't age that bad, and I think it's where you take an approach like this, where you try to do as much practical as you can, and then just fill in later with the VFX. And it's those movies that I think hold up better visually over time than movies that are like, you know, what we can just CGI this in, so let's just do that. So I, I liked that they did that and they, they took that approach with it. And moving on to another fun fact. Um, when asked why Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, or any other Avengers weren't called to help Captain America or Black Widow in the film, the screenwriters explained that in the movie it only takes place in about three days. Therefore, the characters didn't have a chance to connect. And that's a constant issue with these movies. 
you know they usually you know, with shared universes where are all the other characters why can't they help out you know I remember Iron Man 3 facing a lot of that criticism with you know the the terrorists and no one really helping out against uh, the terrorists in that movie uh, where, where are all where is everyone else and they kind of explain it in this you know you kind of have to take out oh well they're on their own mission or they, they are doing something different and that's why um, so that makes sense to me did it bother you in this movie not really yeah um, you kind of want to you kind of don't want to keep adding characters from other movies especially when they're still getting their legs up like you know we got a good idea of what Cap can do in Captain America the First Avenger but with a threat level of this scale and you know all of the things that were put into play with this one like the helicarriers and all that like you don't really want to see other characters come in and save the day. It's kind of like an example I use is in Spider-Man Homecoming when Tony shows up to help out with the boat. Yeah. Like, you know, which well, isn't a full-on problem for me. I just like, you know, I don't want I don't want this character to keep getting help like that. Like, because it doesn't make me think of them as a character by themselves. It makes me think of them... As like a Batman Boy Wonder type. Well, it depends on the execution. The, the particular instance that you're talking about, it worked for me because Tony Stark is his protege and, uh, you know, or not Tony Stark, is his He's protege. his mentor. Yeah. Tony Stark is the mentor of, mm-hmm. uh, of, of Peter Parker. So that made sense to me for him to come in and try to, you know, save him. Uh, I don't like it when characters, you know, as long as it serves the story. And it serves the characters in that story. I'm okay with any character coming in and joining in. It's when the characters feel like they're just trying to force the characters in, or there's really no reason for them, or it doesn't uh, add to the 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 characters or add to the story. Then it kind of takes me out of the movie. So I, I, that that's when I have an issue with this movie. It it made sense. This is Cap's story. It's really about him and Bucky coming together again. That's the heart of the movie. Um. So it, it didn't really bother me. Uh, s- another fun fact: speaking of all the visual effects in this movie, this is crazy because I didn't know this until today. <laughs> uh, Haley Outwell was aged using computer graphics imagery for her appearance as elderly Peggy Carter. Co-director Anthony Russo commented, commented that all the old people have looked the same in movies since the 80s when you go uh, down and up and ma- you know makeup route they all kind of look the same uh, co-director Joe Russo said we changed her face and her muscle structure and all those things that change when you age I could not tell and Marvel has been using the de-aging or the aging up obviously for of, of characters for a while now then you know they in, in in fact, he used it in the full movie in Captain Marvel mm-hmm. with Samuel L. Jackson. And sometimes that works, you know, and sometimes de-aging technology doesn't work. A perfect example of that is in Captain Marvel where he looks like young Samuel L. Jackson, which is really, you know, only two or three years younger. The guy hasn't aged ever, <laughs> you know, since the 90s. And then when you see him, though, in the action... He's moving like a 70, 60-year-old. It's the same thing in Robert De Niro and The Irishman, where it's 40-year-old Robert De Niro, 
but then you see him like kicking a guy and it's like an older guy kick you right. know what I mean it right. doesn't work but the way that they have used the de-aging technology especially with this looks great yeah I actually didn't know that she was like wearing a green screen mask and they put de-aging tech on her either that's news to me yeah. I had no idea I thought it was just a different woman with similar mm-hmm. facial features and everything that could look like her you know, I didn't know, and that even means that she was doing like a old raspy old person voice too. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That kind of stuff really interests me. Like it's the same thing with uh, I think was it Rogue One where they used the agent on that? Yeah, guy. Um, they or was it in one of the main... Tarkin? They used yeah. It was Tarkin was a completely different. It was a different actor, and they just CGI'd uh, Alan Cushion's face on the guy. And then there's also at the end of the movie with Leia. Okay. Uh, with the hope thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says hope. And the last fun fact we'll get here is in the opening sequence on the uh, ship, Captain America's shield has a pale colors of uh, red and blue. The next time you see Captain America, his shields after the mission on the ship... He has a shield with the original colors of, you know, the red and blue colors attached. There is no explanation of what happened to the first shield, and it is never seen again after that mission on the ship. It is assumed that this was simply painted muted colors for camouflage effect, and then repainted to its original um, after that night. Uh, Yeah, this is interesting, because I remember in all the toys and stuff leading up to the movie, it was that color shield. And then later on in the movie, it's the normal colors. So I'm, like, maybe thinking that they went with that color and that at the end they were going to bring back the old shield to represent, you know, the old World War II ca- uh, cap coming back in the full garb at the end. He's no longer the shield guy. Um, maybe they did that, and maybe they just... I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. In my head headcanon... Uh, it does. It just doesn't make sense why they would just use it for that one night and then not use it again. Uh, never really explained. It just kind of goes away. And it's a stealth no ops mission. I guess know? so. I guess so. I don't know. I think that's exactly what it was. You know, everyone's going to automatically know Caps on the ship if they, see, if they see the red, white, and blue giant white star. You know. Yeah. He, the way that he jumps out of the... Um, of course, I mean, though, you know, either there's Captain America out there or there's some hobo throwing a trash can lid at people. <laughs> well, he's not even throwing the trash can lid. He's throwing a, you know, the shield. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, you know, they're either going to mistake it for Cap or take it somebody else. Something that looks remotely like Cap. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, throwing some type of circle around at people. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't bother me, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later. Because um, that's actually a little little thing I have added later about the shield. Um, but before we move on, I have a list of things that Cap has to catch up on, which I thought was pretty cool. I, I caught the list and I paused it. So, I Love Lucy is a thing that he has written in his scrapbook or his notebook, no, no, his little notepad mm-hmm. that he writes in. Um, I Love Lucy's in there. The list mo- of things to catch up on. Yes. Moon Landing. Berlin Wall, up and down. Um, Steve Jobs, and he has in parentheses, Apple. Disco, um, which I think he can kind of just skip disco. Everyone uh, else has. <laughs> Thai food. 
Star Wars slash Trek. I mean, Star Wars is more important, but, you know, Trek is cool too, I guess. You're biased. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Not that, you know, it's a dead giveaway behind me is a bunch of Star Wars memorabilia. I didn't even notice that. (laughs) Nirvana. Just check it out. Yes, of course. Cap, check out Nirvana. Yes. Teen Spirit. Smells like Teen Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be listening to that in your helmet when you're fighting bad guys. Exactly. Rocky. Rocky two question mark. <laughs> and I will answer that question mark. Yes, you check out Rocky two. You check out all the Rocky movies except the fifth one, which does not exist. You even watch Creed one and Creed two because those are a nice complementary to the uh, Rocky franchise. In fact. The Creed movies might even be better than most of the Rocky movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. I said it. That was my Tim Allen voice. And, and of course, the last thing he has listed is Trouble Man, which is the soundtrack by Marvin Gaye. Absolutely. Yes. Good and, addition. Good addition is, there, Anthony Mackie. Yes, that is that is a great addition, in my opinion. Yes. But before we get to our award section, we're going to take a quick break to let you hear an ad from our sponsor. And we are back. Thank you so much to our sponsor over here at Ben Davis Movie Podcast. But we are moving on to our award section. We're going to start off with favorite scenes and moments. Uh, I only have like nine scenes. I generally, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite Marvel films. But only nine favorite scenes. But that's okay. Um, That's still a lot. Only nine? Yeah, only nine. That's still a lot. (laughs) Uh, So, of course, on your left. It's iconic, dude, at this point. Whenever I'm running and I'm running past somebody, especially that I know, I go on their left side, on your left. Every time. Every time. It's it's iconic. It's great. It's great. <laughs> at the time, I did not appreciate the gravity of that scene, you know, but after watching Endgame, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes. On your left. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> That's great. That's that. That is a great scene that I can't wait to dive into in a few weeks. Um, the opening mission on the uh, on the ship. Okay, I love the way that it, the action is great. It's very fast paced. You just see Cap single handedly dismantling this entire army, this entire ship, by himself. Until of course the the team comes in and they're kind of going on their separate missions and and stuff on there, and then of course we get the great George Saint Pierre, my personal favorite UFC fighter of all time. As uh, Baytrock the Leaper uh, coming in there and him and Cap having to duke, duke it out. And I have some questions regarding that fight. However, it's still really, really cool to see him in there. And I just, I, I like this scene. It's a really good action scene with a lot of uh, building the story for the movie within the action, which is always great. Um, did you like this? Did you like this scene, man? I did. Um, you know, I don't know too much about any UFC fighters because I'm lame. And <laughs> doesn't make you lame. It's but just not your interest. He definitely seemed like a formidable opponent. The guy kind of looked like Macklemore to me. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, but you know, if you want to beat up Macklemore, that's fine. I wouldn't want to beat up Macklemore. He's awesome. <laughs> I love his music. Um, next scene I have is conversation between um, Captain Fury about freedom versus fear. And it sets up the entire principle of the movie. Cap Mm -hmm. is a man of principle. He's a man of ideals. Uh, Fury is someone who is clearly driven by fear and is someone who is driven by, we got to prevent these bad things from happening. His heart is in the good place. But Cap is the 
he is the moral compass of the entire MCU. So you gotta go, you gotta side with him on this, you know, trying to judge people before they commit the crimes. You know, you can't you can't do that. Cap is supposed to be the best of us. Yes. You know, and that was a very, very, very relatable conversation. Like, I feel like a lot of people have probably had that conversation with another one of their, like, friends, colleagues, superiors, whatever, you know. They've been asked to do something that they don't morally agree with. And, you know, I love how Nick responds with, well, we looked at the USSR files and, you know, you're no saint. You know, we've seen some of the stuff y'all had to do. And Cap's just like, we did what we had to do to get our hands dirty and to make the world a better place for you guys. Like, So it's like, you know, no one is without fault. But who is the most without fault? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> well, and also, like, he has a good idea. You know, it didn't help us sleep at night, but we did what we had to do because we thought it was right. But this is, you're using, this is fear, you know. And I like, I just, I like that they, they talked about that. And it's the focal point of the movie. The main theme of the movie. It's not the heart of the movie. Heart of the movie is something different. But I, I like that it tackled the theme. Um, I love the car chase. Uh, which one? The car, well, I have. The one where. I have both of them on here. This they're is trying the, to break into the, Nick's. This is Nick Fury. Okay. The one with Nick Fury. Because at this point, the only real action scene you had seen with Nick Fury was in uh, the the opening of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. This was this is by far the coolest one. Mm-hmm. You know, the the car chase, it's very suspenseful. I'm a big fan of a, of a good car chase. It looked real, it looked practical. It was down and dirty. And, the of course, this is the first appearance we get of the Winter Soldier. It's very ominous. You hear the score, which sounds like, like a turned-down, echoed version of a car, you know... Breaking. Breaking. Squealing tower tires. Yeah. <laughs> it's very annoying, but effective for what they're trying to go for with the creepy, creepy vibe from him. Oh yeah. Um, I do have some questions regarding some of the, some of Nick Fury's decisions in the in this scene, but uh, it's a very awesome chase sequence. And in fact, it's probably still my favorite car chase sequence in in the MCU. I do agree with we hadn't seen much from Nick Fury at this point in the MCU, and this no. really gave him an uh, action anyway. You had mm-hmm. seen him in, in others and in, in stuff, but this this was like the this was a, a, a moment for Nick Fury to shine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This movie really gave him a lot to bite down on, more so than just being a figurehead. Definitely, and I, I like that because I'm a huge Samuel L. Jackson fan. You know I mean, who doesn't love Samuel L. Jackson? How much do you want to bet that Stark also designed the car for him? Like, or the cars for Shield, maybe, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Cap chasing down the Winter Soldier after he has shot uh, Nick Fury. Great scene. Yes. Probably one of my favorite from the whole movie. Well, it's so quick, but I just love the intensity of him just blowing through freaking walls, <laughs> going through walls, and the how hard he hits the side when he turns, and you see the indention of his entire body in the sheetrock. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. And then, of course, the, the badass shot of him throwing the shield, and then you see Winter Soldier catch it, like, please, and throws it back at him. How did he know he was throwing that at him? He ain't got spider sense. Hey, man, it's the Winter Soldier. <laughs> um, the next thing I have is, it's... A moment, but the Hell Hydra moment, because that was something that 
you know, aside from you, all our other friends did to me as well. Every time I'd hug, give them a hug bye or dap them up, it's in my ear. Hell, Hydra. <laughs> that was a meme in the making and we didn't even know it. And now, yeah. It's, it's, it's a meme now, though. You're talking about when Gary Marshall said it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, the highway chase and fight sequence. Yes. Yes. This is this is very, very good. Again, it's a, an incredibly intense uh, car chase sequence. But the fight sequences are great. Um, I loved Scarlett Johansson's reaction in fear to the Winter Soldier in this scene. Because it shows how much of a threat he is. He is every bit Cap's equal. In terms of like fighting and everything like that, he's not the you know obviously in the moral compass, but he is every bit of equal in terms of physicality. You know they're equals, so I I just it, it really instills that fear in Scarlett Johansson, and I, I like that. And of course the this is the reveal of who the Winter Soldier is. It's Bucky. Um, who the hell is Bucky? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's it's great. Um, my favorite shot from that scene though is when he hits him with the knife, drops it, grabs it in the other hand, and does like that around him. Mm-hmm. For those of you who can't see me, goes like around with the other arm. Right. Yeah, it's great. Like we said earlier, <laughs> it has some of the best hand to hand combat, combat, and very some of the best choreographed scenes in the MCU. Yeah, the action sequences in this movie are fantastic. Um, Cap's speech. To those at Shield, mm-hmm. love it. That's a good one. It, it is. It is great. Again, Cap is the 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 heart and soul of the MCU. You really think. see how people actually. He's the moral compass. You really see how people actually do believe in Cap. Like you know, he's basically asking which operatives inside Shield are gonna side with him and which ones are gonna remain loyal to Shield. Parentheses, Hydra. Yes, yeah. And standing, standing up again for for what's right. He does. He doesn't know how many shield people are gonna, you know, turn on Hydra, um, or how many people are gonna leave Shield, which is really Hydra, um, for for him and his ideals. But he's surprised when a lot of people do. You know, they stand up for what is right, and they're motivated by him, who's. He's the leader. You know what I mean? I almost expected him to get on the microphone and be like, Attention, ladies and gentlemen. The revolution will not be televised. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's great. Um, and the last scene I have is Cap versus Bucky. Because it's... You don't... At this point, we're assuming Bucky kind of knows who he is. And Cap doesn't want to hurt him. But, of course, Cap ends up winning their first little altercation, you know, making him pass out. Um, but then Bucky gets the gun, shoots him in the back of the leg, and then shoots him in the stomach. And then uh, that big thing falls on him mm-hmm. uh, when the ship is going down. Bucky's scared. He's confused. Lifts, lifts it, Cap lifts it off of him. And then Bucky just keeps pounding on him, beating him up. And Cap's then, like, "I'm not gonna fight you anymore. Yeah. You're my friend. You know, I'm, I'm gonna let you keep beating me up, even if you kill me, because yeah. that's how much I care about." He's you. like, "You're my mission." He's like, "Then finish it." And just, I mean, it's like intense hits to the face, and this is the first time I think you really see like Cap, well, like like his face getting hurt. You know what I mean? Like he has bruises on his face, 
finish it because I'm with you to the end of the line. And it's just he's willing to sacrifice himself for his friend because he knows that he's in there. And it, it, it's it's special. It's a special bond that they have. Uh, and it's one of my favorite scenes in all of the MCU. It's great. It's great. And speaking of it being one of my favorite scenes in all the MCU, it's my favorite scene in this movie. I love that. Love, love, love that scene. Um, is there any more scenes that you would want to add to this? or um, And what... What would be your favorite? My favorite scene... Okay, I'm going to give you favorite scene, and just to balance it out, I'm going to give you my least favorite scene. But we'll get to least favorite scenes in moments here in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, favorite scene would actually be when they go into the bunker and discover Dr. Zola is still down in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just so creepy and eerie in the way he's like... Flashing all of the scenes from Cap's past and all these scenes throughout history of like the Nazis and their rogue science division and everything, and he's basically like, "Ha ha ha, ha Cap! You died for nothing. We're still here. Cut off one head, two more grow back. We're still here. You can't get rid of us. We're like a roach. You know, we can survive nuclear war. We'll always be here. That right there really established." Hydra as a threat for me because I knew they were a threat in Captain America 1 but I didn't know how their resurgence was going to be in Winter Soldier like I think everybody always had like small impressions that they were going to come back in some shape or form but I had no idea that they were already going to be in S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything and everything and I just love that whole element to it like to the storytelling like that was amazing and that's why again i say another example of this being a good sequel to first avenger yeah this is this is a a great sequel i'm, I'm glad you like that scene but moving on to worst moments and scenes that is one of my worst moments and scenes i know <laughs> I, I, I don't like it and here's why it feels so disconnected from the rest of the movie and the tone. It's very the movie again. I drink every time we say this word. Grounded. And the movie is very very grounded. Uh, it 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 feels grounded in its execution, regardless of the fact that this is definitely still a superhero movie. It feels very grounded. This scene feels very removed from that and feels like it belongs in a different marvel film it doesn't belong in this it just feels very detached i don't like it it feels very cheesy and corny compared to the rest of the movie so it doesn't work for me um but you know for those of you who really enjoy this scene gerg just said why he thinks it's a great scene and why he thinks it holds up and i mean all movies are subjective so zola was one of my least favorite characters from first avenger Mm -hmm. and realizing that, that little turd still survived in this movie, <laughs> so in some way, shape, or form. Just like rub me the wrong way. Just like, Get out of here! No, <laughs> someone unplug that. Well, he well, he gets unplugged. He gets exploded. <laughs> it's very satisfying. For he gone. Me. Yeah, after this movie, he gone. But how many more? He could have other little bunkers where he's got his consciousness set up. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> me and you both. <laughs> Um, for the sake of that that movie, I hope not. <laughs> uh, and I only have one more, and that is Steve flirting with Sharon Carter. It has not aged well for me, Gerg. <laughs> it has not aged well for me at all. 
and 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 there's reasons for this. Again, it goes back to what I was saying last week. How planned out is the MCU? Because this is technically his great niece, is it not? He flirts with his great niece or his niece, whichever. Actually, no, not really. And I just realized this, and I feel like a, a total uh, thick-headed, thick-skulled person for not even thinking about this, okay, but not expl- really because... Explain this to me. They weren't anything when he went into the ice, right? Okay. They weren't anything. They weren't married. They weren't together. Nothing like that. Well... Goes into the ice. Him and Peggy... So technically... He's not related to that girl at all. He is, though, because in Endgame, he goes back in time and lives out the rest of his years to be an old man with Peggy. That's in Endgame. That wasn't at this point in the story. Yeah, but it moves forward. There's a lot of time issues in Endgame. That's one of my no, problems. that's not an issue. He did not manipulate the timeline until then, so that fact did not become true until he went into Endgame. But at that point, everything is reset, and it's like pretty much, you know... Well, not everything is reset, though, because you can't, you can't change the past. But they... It's already been done. But they, they altered everything like to he's, where he's everything not, still happened, but they... They took the stones out at strategic times to where they basically wouldn't be missed by the universe. Now he's not blood he's not blood, you know, related to her, so it's not incestuous. But it's it, not as bad as I think but that a lot of people like but it's, flow it out it's weird. It's weird, movie. man. It's weird. Because like especially in a movie that we ta- we'll be talking about next week, where uh, Bucky and Sam are doing the approving head nod after he gets a kiss from her, not realizing, yeah, bro, that that is your niece. I think it's great niece, whichever. I forget which one, but like, it's almost as bad. No, it's not as bad as in Empire Strikes Back when Luke and Leia kiss and then he puts his hands behind his head, like, yeah, like, dude, that's your sister. That's gross. It's not that bad because it's not incestuous, but it it's still weird. It's still weird. It's not best to dwell on these things, Benjamin. I can't help but dwell on them, Cam. I can't. I can't. So for me, I think I, th- I think that is the. It, it is a pet peeve that I could talk about, and it's kind of funny to talk about, <laughs> but it doesn't detract from the rest of the movie like the Zola algorithm scene does. So overall, I think that that is. That is my least favorite scene. Do you have a least favorite scene or moment in this movie? I do have a least favorite scene, actually. Throw it at me. It's when... Pardon my phrasing, but it's when (laughs) Captain America backs Black Widow up to a wall next to the vending machine in the hospital, and he's basically like, quit lying to me, tell me everything you know. And this is my least favorite bit of dialogue in any MCU movie. Black Widow talks about how she had a somewhat of a run-in with go- with the ghost soldier, the Winter Soldier, yeah. at some point where he shot through her to get to another person, and she says, shot right through me, didn't even care. Bye-bye bikini season. And Cap says, yeah, I'm sure you look really bad in bikinis now. I'm just like, 
Okay, that well, the, the quippy dialogue is of it's it's very Marvel. Not it's, not for me. Not here for it. Not with it. You know, y'all are teammates, and I hate how there's always these like subtle, like buried undertones of Cap, Black Widow. Will they? Won't they? There is dialogue. Back there is a bit of that between her and a lot of characters in the MCU. I think it's just her personality in the, in, in in these movies. Her only real ro- romance in these movies, I think, is with Hulk, and they never really go back to address it. Which a lot of people weren't fans of of that romance, and that's okay. They 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 saw that people weren't you know fans of it, so they didn't really address it as much. Again, going back to how much is the MCU planned out? How much? isn't i don't really know she always has these like short lived moments where she's a little bit flirty she's like hey boys i'm on my way to the smithsonian i'm here to pick up an old fossil <laughs> and i'm just like again i think that's her personality i don't think it's <laughs> I, I think it's just black widow's personality i don't okay. i don't think it is it, it's meant to be read in as their a couple. I don't. I've never read it. No, to, not a couple. It's just like will they, won't they I've, type deal. And I've never. They're to me. They've always been friends. Okay. I, I've never thought of them as anything more than that. They're really good friends, and they they bust each other's chops, and she busts his chops and stuff like that. I never really take it as uh them being a thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting the wrong impression. Maybe I'm just reading into it too much, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just... I, I like the Black Widow character. I can't wait to see her movie. I'll leave it at that. For real, Marvel. When it comes out... <laughs> when it comes out, people Danny, are going to forget about it. And then it's going to be, gonna be just as surprising of an announcement. Like, you guys never announced it back in January in the first place. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, Florence Pugh for that. I think she's going to be great. I remember January... In Colorado, at a ski resort, sore, arms, legs, buttocks hurting from being on the slopes for three days straight, (laughs) I get a new trailer for Black Widow as I'm laid on the couch by the fireside, sore, (laughs) kind of crying, not really. You're painting a great picture. (laughs) But then, Black Widow, I fall off the couch onto a bearskin rug. (laughs) And I'm just like, I have to watch this now. And then you flash forward to now, and it's not even out. No, well, Disney Plus, COVID, COVID. It's all COVID's fault. It's, COVID. not, it's not Disney's fault. It's all COVID's fault. I know. Um, it's best performance. Who are you giving it to, man? Best performance. That's a good question. Hold on. Let me think. Let me just go through all the characters. Yeah. Birds by the reflecting pool. It's like I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it to Anthony Mackie. Good choice. He is a he is a very solid actor, man. He's really good. He doesn't get as much praise as he deserves. Great addition to the cast. Yes, his episode striking vipers and uh, was it? Uh, it's not altered carbon. Oh my god, what's the what's the name of that show? Striking vipers in the. Uh, it's the one episode that he does. Is it Cobra Kai? No, no. He's not I have no Cobra idea what Kai. Striking Vipers is for. Wait, uh, are you, is it an episode of Agents Black of Shield? Black Mirror, I think. Oh, Black Mirror. Yeah, I think it's Black Mirror. I've never watched Striking a single Vipers. episode of Black Mirror. Um, it is a great, it's, it's a great episode. 
Um, I know Miley Cyrus is in Black Mirror, but... but she does the one episode. Okay. Yeah. there It's an anthology series, so it's not following any stories. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Anthony Mackie, that's a great choice. Mm-hmm. And he... He was a great addition to the cast. He wasn't bad at acting at all. He... You really can see him as a soldier. Yeah. And you really start to get... You know, you can kind of foresee him and Cap's relationship, and I love it. They're back and forth. I don't know who I like better as pals, Steve and Falcon or Tony and Rhodes. Uh, I think I'd probably go Steve, Falcon, and Bucky. I love that trio, and I can't wait to see Bucky and Sam and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Do you think they're going to be together in future oh, MC yeah. movies, or do you think they're, Bucky's going to kind of break off and do his own thing? No, I think they're, they're, they are they're a dynamic duo, and I, I, I love I love their dynamic. And okay. I'm also, I'll say this probably in my in-game podcast, but I am so happy that uh, Falcon gets a shield. It makes much more story sense than, than the Winter Soldier getting it. You know, Winter Soldier is technically still a criminal. Oh, yeah. So, Falcon getting that shield and being able to carry over that mantle of not being Captain America, but being Falcon while representing what Captain America stood for. I'm looking forward to that. Buck has still got baggage on top of baggage on top of baggage. Yeah, he got, got some issues. Skeletons in the closet and multiple closets, multiple closets across the whole world. Yeah, he. If someone saw him running at them, trying to lift a bus off of them, they probably thought he was about to throw another bus on them. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, they'd be like, ah, get away from me, <laughs> you demon. I think I'm going to go for best performance with Robert Redford. Okay. Uh, for me, he gives the, this movie gravitas that it deserves. Uh, and, and not only that, he plays his part perfectly well. He starts out as this, it seems like this altruistic, am I saying that word right? Altruistic. Thank you, um, person who you just see being a leader. He comes across as a politician, but then by the end, you start to see his layers peel back. And by the end, you you feel like, okay, he's going to take off his face and he's going to be Red Skull. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking that when I was seeing this movie for the first time. Um, And he does... He's not in a lot of this movie, but he adds a lot to it. And I really like his performance. My closing thoughts on this movie? Is it the movie or just the scene? The movie. Oh. Basically, like, when we first went to go see this, Mm -hmm. and I knew that it was a sequel to First Avenger, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was very, very worried... Of how it was going to be. Just because there was a lot of stuff from the first film that I liked that was left open. And just judging from the trailer and everything. Since he's in modern times. Present day. Are they going to stray away from the original material too much? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if they do, what are they going to focus on more? And is it going to be worth straying away from the original material? And then seeing it, and then you have elements from the first movie, like his original costume, Dr. Zola still being in it, a remnant of his past, because, you know, everybody's wondering, you know, 
is Red Skull going to secretly pop up in the sequel movie, even though I didn't think so, but I'm just, you know, he disappeared. You know, is there going to be a, a after credit scene with Red Skull or somebody or yeah. something from the first movie? But in terms of what they did with this sequel, they really did a good job of keeping it related to the first movie, but keeping it fresh as well. Yeah, they did a really good job. I honestly did not think of the characters that they would add. They would add Falcon or yeah. Winter Soldier, but they did, and yeah. it's I thought awesome. adding Winter Soldier would be a little bit quicker, or it's a little quicker than I thought they would, but it, it worked perfectly. Right. But yeah. So, moving on to the Does This Make Sense Award, though. Um, there's only a couple, and they're kind of funny things to talk about. Um, number one, why is this shield a different color at the beginning? We kind of already addressed that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was for a stealth thing. Who knows? Um, when Cap is fighting uh, Baytrock the Leaper, why doesn't he just give him a one good punch to knock him out rather than drag out the fight? Do you think there's a part of him that enjoys just fighting or getting a challenge or obviously he's holding back. He doesn't want to give it the full, you know, umph behind it. Cause he would probably take his head off because he's cap. I honestly think that that scene was just a way to display the fighting style style yeah. in that movie. And also it's George St. Pierre. You're not going to cast this guy and not have a fight scene Ex- with him. Yeah, I agree. I you agree. know, if it was anybody else, they probably wouldn't have had as long drawn out of a fight scene. And it's also kind of funny because, you know, George St. Pierre in real life would probably crush Chris Evans. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be fight. It would it, it would, uh, it'd be over pretty quickly. One-two punch. Yeah, literally. For real. <laughs> um, in the car chase scene, if the car can drive itself, and this is the car chase with Nick Fury, why not just lay down suppressive fire and duck instead of getting behind the wheel of the car? Probably because if you've ever driven in a smart car which i have not but if you've read about it and watched videos it's not as great as you think and also it only accelerates the car to a certain speed so nick fury is just basically like i I gotta take matters in my own hand i gotta do some more evasive driving that makes sense it would probably obey the 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 speeding laws and he wouldn't want to do that in that that circumstance that wouldn't help him out at all if that I, I makes, mean I'm guess that makes sense to me though I mean I'm guessing if the AI for shields vehicles is you know able to determine okay what's are we in a high risk situation should I drive crazy or should I drive safe I'm thinking for the most part it's going to drive safe yeah it's trying to protect the cargo that's within the vehicle yeah and plus you've got Nick Fury in there yeah he's a valuable asset yeah. And the last one I have here, where does the Winter Soldier uh, appear from during the freeway chase? Like, he just magically drops on top of that car. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Like... I still think... Do you think he just jumped from that Jeep yeah. or something? Or, like... He jumped from the Humvee. And also, you know, why question it? He's a ghost from Steve's past. Shouldn't he have... Some ghost-like moves. You know, just drop it out of nowhere. He just teleported. Yeah. He just used the space stone. I think... Just... All right, so for, <laughs> for me, the thing that makes the least sense, because we made sense of one, we made sense of two, or you made sense of two, you made sense of three. Four just... There's not really an explanation. So that, that, that to me, is the, the thing that I fall back on. Um... But moving on to MVP, last award of the evening before we had to get on out of here. 
The to me, the MVP is it's the Russo brothers. Like I said, they brought and as you kind of said, they ushered in a new era of the MCU, um, helping distinguish it, bringing a different flavor to it, and their impact on the MCU has been greater than any other director. Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. Those are usually the the number, you know, four out of the five favorite Marvel films that people talk about. You know, those are usually there, right in there in the conversation. So I think it's because of this movie that they ushered in a new era to the MCU and bringing it to a wider audience and I their impact cannot be denied and it was really this movie that they got started with and they did an amazing job with this movie an amazing job with this movie so that's that's who I'm giving it to who would you give the MVP award to so it can be someone who's physically in the movie yes. or someone who worked on it mm-hmm. I'm going to go awesome. ahead and uh I'm gonna go ahead and give the MVP to uh, the lady who plays Peggy. Really, Haley Otwell? Yeah. I mean, like you know, that scene with her and Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Tore at my heartstrings, and if you don't know this about me, my granddad had dementia at the time, so that really was hitting me at a time when I was most vulnerable on that subject, and it was just like. Nah, Marvel, you're getting too relatable. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Came here to escape from it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you're bringing I'm, it to me. Exactly. I'm, <laughs> do you want, you know, a grown, like, 24 or 5 year old to be crying in front of a bunch of people you in a dark theater? You should have seen me in Onward. Oh, I'm getting my popcorn out soggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, she, she was great in this movie. She's also great in. All the stuff that she shows up in. She's the linchpin that keeps coming back for good old Steve. Mm-hmm. And then, like, once you see she's having a bad wave of it, she's just like, it's just like she's just now finding out Steve is out of the ice again after she's just had a long conversation with him. And you just see Steve's face, and he's just, like, totally aware of her, her condition, but she's not, and he's just, like, so accepting of her. Mm-hmm. And... You can tell he visits her every day at the hospital at some point in the day. Like, there's yeah. probably not a day where he doesn't visit see, her. See, I'm, I'm looking back on favorite scenes. I should have added that one in, and I didn't. I'll still add it in. My favorite scene is still what it is, but I, that would definitely have gotten added in. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put that one back into the list. People are going to see that I didn't add that scene. They're going to be like, what the hell? And then they'll get to this part. They'll be like, oh, okay, he edited it back in. <laughs> Great scene. Um, but last question, Gerg, before we end the show, why would you recommend this movie? Why would I recommend this movie? Yeah, we have sung the praises of it, but in short, in a short summary, why would you recommend this movie? Because it's a great action movie. If you're a lover lover of Marvel movies, it is a what I feel like a staple in the whole entire story of the MCU cinematic universe as we know it so far. It is packed with nostalgia for the comic books, for callbacks to the first movie, callbacks to your favorite heroes they get mentioned a couple times, and also it's setting up the MCU for the future 
And also, final reason, fifth reason, it's just a good, fun time. Like, I mean, it's just a, it's just a plain good action thriller. And it's starring your boy Captain America. You know, there's something in this movie that every single action lover will find and like about it. Yeah. I think, for me, what I would recommend this movie is, if you're an MCU fan, this is a staple. This this is an important movie in the MCU, and it's an important important turning point in the MCU. So this is definitely a, a, a high recommend on that regard. But in terms of if just a general movie fan, this is a great again to use this thing that has been so overused, a great political spy thriller, uh, disguised as a superhero film. Like it really is. It is a wonderful action movie. With timely messages, and that's exactly why I would I would recommend this movie. But Gerg, that is it for this week's show. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course, dude. Thanks for coming on. Um, this certainly will not be the last time you're on. Uh, I would love to be on future episodes. Of course, of course, of course. You know, anytime you do a Marvel movie, if you want to make me your Marvel specialist, your Marvel analyst, go ahead. Because you know, I'm I'm nothing if I'm not professional. <laughs> Oh gosh, uh, yes, I will. I will definitely have you on for sure again. Um, can't wait for that. But we'll be back next week with Captain America: The Civil War, um, the Civil War, <laughs> <laughs> Captain America: Civil War, Civil War, the Civil War. <laughs> Brought to you by History Channel. <laughs> oh God, it has been a long one. Yeah, we'll be back next week with Captain America: Civil War. Until then, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with all the latest content I have for you guys. And while you're at it, go give me a follow over on Instagram where I post reviews of newer releases. I still need to do Borat too. I will do it. I promise. Um, you should also check out my new weekly podcast series that I do with Corey Sanzone on The Mandalorian, with a new episode dropping later on this week. Um, really enjoyed doing that with Corey. Corey is one of my best friends, so it's it's always a blast to have him on. But until next time, guys, stay classy. <laughs> <laughs>